to those of the New York theatre. No other tribute, critical claim, or glorification can approach the heights of recognition represented in the Sarah Sidens Award for Distinguished Achievement. A moment ago, this most cherished honour came to a young actress named Eve Harrington. Among the many eminent personalities present is the noted critic Addison DeWitt. Yes, this is Eve's hour. Beautiful, radiant, poised. She's about to make her speech of acceptance. The hall rings with applause and bravos. Everyone is looking at Eve. All except Karen Richards. Karen's made a little pile of crumbs on the tabletop. She's patting it with a spoon, staring at it absently. I wonder what Karen Richards is thinking about. Eve. Eve Harrington. It seems a lifetime ago, that rainy night in October. I hurried down the alley to the stage door. But where was she? <laughs> Strange. I had become so accustomed to seeing her night after night. I found myself looking for a girl I'd never spoken to, wondering where she... Mrs. Richards? Oh, there you are. Well, it seemed odd suddenly you're not being here. After all, six nights a week watching Margot Channing enter and leave a theater. I hope you don't mind my speaking to you. It took every bit of courage I could raise. To speak to a playwright's wife? <laughs> I'm the lowest form of celebrity. You're Margot Channing's best friend. You and your husband are always with her. Tell me, what do you do in between the time Margot goes to the theater and comes out? Just huddle there and wait? Oh, no. I see the play. See the play? You mean you've seen every performance? Yes. Well, apart from everything else, don't you find it expensive? Standing room doesn't cost much. I manage. Well... You're coming with me, young lady. I'm going to take you to Margot. Oh, no! Oh, yes. She has got to meet you. Oh, no, no. I I'd be imposing on her. I'd just be another tongue-tied, gushing fan. There isn't another like you. There couldn't be. Oh, by the way, what's your name? Eve. Eve Harrington. Margot was in her dressing room. Lloyd, my husband, was with her. And, of course, Bertie, Margot's maid. Morning, Karen. Margot's just been interviewed by a lady reporter from the South. And the minute it gets printed, they're going to fire on Gettysburg all over again. It was Fort Sumner they fired on. Where's my cold cream? Lloyd, honey, be a playwright with guts. Write me a nice, normal woman who just shoots her husband. I find these wisecracks increasingly less funny, Margot. Aged in Wood happens to be a fine and distinguished play. That's my loyal little woman. Relax, kid. It's just me and my big mouth. Well, it's just that you get me so mad sometimes. Of all the women in the world with nothing to complain about. Ain't it the truth? Yes, it is. You're talented, famous, wealthy. People waiting around for you night after night just to see you. 
even in the rain. They're autograph fiends, they're little beasts. They're your fans, your audience. They're nobody's audience. They never see a play or a movie, even. They're never indoors long enough. Well, there's one indoors right now. I've brought her back to see you. She's just outside the door. Bertie? Yeah? The heave-ho. You can't put her out, Margot. She worships you. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Oh, I know her. She's the mousy one with the trench coat and the funny hat. Yes. Come in, Eve. Margot, this is Eve Harrington. How do you do, my dear? Oh, brother. Hello, Miss Channing. My husband. Hello, Miss Harrington. How do you do, Mr. Richards? And this is my dearest friend and companion, Miss Bertie Coonan. Oh, brother. Oh, brother what? When she gets like this, all of a sudden she's playing Hamlet's mother. I'm sure you must have things to do in the bathroom, Bertie dear. If I haven't, I'll find something till you get normal. Dear Bertie, I was just telling Margot and Lloyd about how often you've seen the play. Oh, yes, every performance. Well, then am I safe in assuming you like it? I'd like anything Miss Channing played in. Would you really? How sweet. Your new play is for Miss Channing, too, isn't it? Well, how did you hear about it? There was an item in Addison DeWitt's column. I like the title, Footsteps on the Ceiling. Let's get back to this one. Every performance, huh? Why? Yes, there are other plays. Not with you in them. N not by Mr. Richards. But you must have friends, a home, family. No. Tell us about it, Eve. If, if I only knew how. Try. Well, it started with the play before this one. Remembrance. Did you see it here in New York? San Francisco, the most important night of my life, until now. I found myself going to the next night, and the next, and the next. And when the show went east, I went east. Eve, why don't you start at the beginning? I couldn't possibly interest you. Please. Well, I guess it started back home, Wisconsin. It was just Mum and Dad and me. Farmers were poor in those days. So I quit school and became a secretary in a brewery. It wasn't much fun, but it helped at home. And there was a little theater group there, like a drop of rain on a desert. That's where I met Eddie. We played Lilium three times. Oh, I was awful. When the war came, we got married. Eddie was in the Air Force and they sent him off to the South Pacific. Then a letter arrived. Eddie had a leave coming up, and I went to San Francisco to meet him. But Eddie wasn't there. Just a telegram saying Eddie wasn't coming at all. That Eddie was dead. I found a job, and his insurance helped. There were theaters in San Francisco. And then one night, Margot Channing came to play in remembrance. And, well, here I am. What a story. Everything but the bloodhound snapping at her rear end. There are some human experiences, Bertie, that even a fifth-rate vaudevillian should come to respect. I want to apologize for Bertie. 
Sorry. It's just my way of talking. You didn't hurt my feelings, Miss Coonan. Call me Birdie. Oh, hiya, Mr. Samson. Hi, Birdie. For your information, Margot, my plane takes off in 47 minutes. And how do I find you? Not ready yet and looking like a junkyard. Thank you very much. Bill, the... the airlines have clocks even if you haven't. I start shooting a week from Monday. Bill, I'm a junkyard. Bill, this is Eve Harrington. Hi. My wonderful junkyard. The mystery and dreams you find in a junkyard. Oh, hello. What's your name? Eve. Eve Harrington. You've already met. Huh? Where? Right here. A minute at... Eve? You're not going, are you? I think I'd better. It's been... Well, I can hardly find the words to say how it's been. Thank you. No, stick around. Tell you what, we'll put Stanislavski on his plane, and then you and I will go somewhere and talk. Well, if I'm not in the way... I'll shower and dress. I won't be a minute. Yes, Bill was going to Hollywood to direct a picture. I can't remember why Lloyd and I couldn't go to the airport with them, but I do remember that as we left, Eve started talking to Bill. So, you're going to Hollywood, Mr. Sampson? Just for one picture? Why? I just wondered. Just wondered what? Why you'd want to go out there. I mean, when a man's the best and most successful young director in the theater... The theater. The theater. What book of rules says the theater only exists in New York? Listen, Junior, and learn. Yes? You know what the theater is? A flea circus. Also opera, rodeos, carnivals, ballets, Indian tribal dances, Punch and Judy, and a one-man band. Wherever there is magic and make-believe and an audience, there's theatre. From Donald Duck to Eleanor Dews, all theatre. You don't understand them all. You don't like them all. Why should you? The theatre's for everybody, you included, but not exclusively. So don't approve or disapprove. It may not be your theatre, but it's theatre for somebody somewhere. I just asked a simple question. And I shoved my mouth off. Nothing personal, Junior. Margot, I'm leaving here in exactly three seconds. So am I when I find my coat. It's right where you left it. Oh. <laughs> Any messages for Tyrone Power, Birdie? Just give him my phone number. I'll tell him myself. You got the key, Birdie? I ain't forgot it yet. We'll see you at home in an hour. Eve, where are you going? You don't really want me tagging along. Now don't be silly. This way. It's quicker if we cut across the stage. Where is she, Bill? What happened to Eve? She's at the desk, picking up my tickets. She said we had so little time to be together. Hmm, well, she's quite a girl. I'd forgotten they grew that way anymore. Yes, yes, that lack of pretense. That strange sort of understanding. Isn't it silly? Suddenly I've developed a protective feeling for her, like a lamb loose in our big stone jungle. Bill, take care of yourself out there. I understand they've got the Indians pretty well in hand. Don't get stuck on some glamour, puss. I'll try. 
You are set up for some gorgeous, wide-eyed young babe. How childish are you going to get before you quit it? I don't want to be childish. I'll settle for just a few years. And cut that out right now. Oh, am I going to lose you, Bill? Am I? As of this moment, you're six years old. Everything's ready, Mr. Sampson. Hmm? Oh, thanks, Eve. Here's your ticket. They'd like you to get right on the plane. You've been very helpful. Good luck. Goodbye, Mr. Sampson. Knit me a muffler, Margot. Kiss me, Bill. Call me when you get in. On the hour. Hey, Junior, keep an eye on her. She's a loose lamb in the jungle. That same night, we sent for Eve's things, her few pitiful possessions. She moved into the little guest room. Eve became my sister, lawyer, mother, friend, psychiatrist, and cop. Her quiet efficiency, her constant anticipation of my wishes, drove Bertie mad. I loved it. Yes, the honeymoon was on. Early one morning, the telephone rang. I was half groggy with sleep. The operator made no sense to me at all. We are ready with your call to Beverly Hills, California. Where? What call? We are ready with the call you placed for 12 midnight California time to Mr. William Sampson in Beverly Hills. Go ahead, please. Margot, what a wonderful surprise. What a thoughtful, ever-loving thing to do. Bill, have I gone crazy, Bill? You're my girl, aren't you? That I am. Then you're crazy. When are you coming back? In a week. Well, I'm waiting. When are you going to say it? Ah, Bill, you know how much I do, but over a phone? Now, really, that's kid stuff. Kid stuff or not, it doesn't happen every day. If you won't say it, then you can sing it. Sing it? Like the Western Union boys used to do. Oh, Bill, it's your birthday. And who remembered it? Who was there on the dot at twelve midnight? Happy birthday, darling. The reading could have been better, but you said it. Hey, I get a party, don't I? Of course. Birthday and welcome home. Who will I ask? It's no secret. I know all about the party. Eve wrote me. Eve? She did? Sure she did. She hasn't missed a week since I left. But you know all about that. You probably tell her what to write. Tell me, how is Eve? Okay? Okay. I love you. <laughs> I'll check with Eve. Hmm? I love you, too. Goodbye, darling. I thought a lot about that phone call. In the morning, when Bertie came in with my breakfast... That's a silly question to ask me. All I said was, you don't like Eve, do you? Do you want an argument or an answer? I would like an answer. No. Why not? Now you want an argument. Well, she's loyal and efficient. Like an agent with only one client. She thinks only of me, doesn't she? Well, she thinks only about you, anyway. How do you mean that? I'll tell you how. Like, let's see, like, like she was studying you. Like you were a play or a book or a set of blueprints. How you walk, talk, eat, 
sleep. I'm sure that it's very flattering, Bertie, and I'm also sure that- Good morning. Good morning, Eve. I'm going downtown now, Miss Channing. Is there anything else you've thought of? Well, there is that script to take back to the guild. I've got it. Well, and there's those checks for the income tax man. Uh, right in this envelope. Seems I can't think of a thing you haven't thought of. It's my job, Miss Channing. Eve, by any chance, did you place a call for me to Bill Sampson for midnight last night? California time? Golly, I forgot to tell you. Yes, dear, you forgot all about it. Well, I was sure you'd want to. Of course, it being his birthday. But you've been so busy. It was very thoughtful of you, Eve. It was Mr. Sampson's birthday. I couldn't forget that. You'd never forgive me. As a matter of fact, I've sent him a telegram myself. Did you say something, Bertie? Who said something? Don't. Bill's welcome home birthday party. A night that would go down in history. <laughs> like the Chicago fire or the massacre of the Huguenots. Even before it started, I could smell disaster in the air. When I got downstairs, I was surprised to find that Bill had already arrived. Well, looks like we're going to have a very fancy party. I thought you were going to be late. How long have you been here? Just a few minutes. I ran into Eve. She seemed so interested in Hollywood. She's a girl of so many interests. It's a pretty rare quality these days. And she's a girl of so many rare qualities. So she seems. So you've pointed out so often, so many qualities, so often, and so young, so young and so fair. I can't believe you're making this up. It's like something out of an old Clyde Fitch play. Clyde Fitch, though you may not think so, was well before my time. <laughs> I've always denied the legend that you were in Our American Cousin the night Lincoln was shot. Bill, I don't think that's funny. Of course it's funny. Whipping yourself up into a jealous froth because I spent ten minutes with stage-struck kid. Stage-struck kid? She's a young lady of qualities, and I'll have you know I'm fed up with both the young lady and her qualities, studying me as if, as if I were a play or a blueprint. How I walk, talk, act, think, eat, sleep. It so happens that there are particular aspects of my life to which I would like to maintain sole and exclusive rights and privileges. For instance, what? For instance, you. Darling, this is my cue to take you into my arms and reassure you. But I'm not going to do that. I'm too mad. Guilty. Mad, darling. There are certain characteristics for which you are famous, on stage and off. I love you for some of them, and in spite of others. They are part of your equipment for getting along what is laughably called our environment. You've got to keep your teeth sharp, all right? But you will not sharpen them on me, or Eve. What about her teeth? What about her fangs? She hasn't cut them yet, and you know it. Eve Harrington has never indicated anything to me but her adoration for you and her happiness at our being in love. And to intimate anything else spells a paranoic insecurity that you should be ashamed of. Cut. Print it. What happens in the next reel? Do I get dragged off screaming into the snake pit? Excuse me, Miss Channing? Oh, yes, Eve. The hors d'oeuvres are here. Is there anything else I can do? Yes, thank you. I'd like a martini, very dry and very double. Hello, everyone. 
We let ourselves in, like common thieves. You and Karen can come in and take whatever you want, except the gin, of course. Hi, Lloyd. Karen. May I have your coat? Don't bother. I can put it away myself. Please. Thank you, Eve. I like that girl. That quality of quiet graciousness. Among so many quiet qualities. Margot, nothing you've ever done has made me as happy as you're taking Eve in and- I'm so happy that you're happy. The general atmosphere is very Macbethish. What has or is about to happen? What is he talking about? Macbeth. We know you. We've seen you before like this. Is it over or just beginning? Fasten your seatbelts. It's gonna be a bumpy night. And it was. As the night plowed on, Margot managed to carve up Bill's cake, several producers, the piano player, and an innocent fern that just happened to be in her line of unfriendly fire. Finally, I had had enough, and I told Lloyd it was time to go. And he told Margot. Well, I've been looking for you, Margot. Karen and I have to run along. It's been a swell party. Where is Karen, Lloyd? Upstairs? Yes. Uh, getting her coat, I think. How's the new play coming along? Footsteps on the ceiling? All right, I guess. And the girl character, Cora. Is she still 20? 20 20-ish. It's not important. Don't you think it's about time it became important? Margot, you haven't got an age. Margot Channing is ageless. Spoken like a press agent, Lloyd. I'm not 20-ish. I'm not 30-ish. Three months ago, I was 40 years old. 40. 4-0. Oh. I hadn't quite made up my mind to admit that yet. You've had another fight with Bill. Am I right? Bill's 32. He looks 32. He looked at five years ago, and he'll look at 20 years from now. I hate men. Oh, don't worry, Lloyd. I'll play your play. I'll wear rompers and come in rolling a hoop if you like. Now get out of here and go find your wife. So nice of you to come upstairs with me, Eve. I just wanted to be sure you'd find your coat, Mrs. Richards. Tell me, Eve, how are things going? Are you happy? There should be a new word for happiness. Being here with Miss Channing, she's been so wonderful. Done so much for me. You've done your share too, Eve. So, good night. Mrs. Richards? Karen. Karen, isn't it awful? I'm about to ask you for another favor after all you've done already. Oh, that's nonsense. It's just that Mrs. Channing's affairs are in such good shape, and her understudy is going to have a baby, and they'd have to replace her. You want to be Margot's new understudy? I don't let myself think about it even. But I do know the part so well, and every bit of the staging... <laughs> but suppose I had to go on for one night to an audience that came to see Margot Channing? <sighs> no, I couldn't possibly. Well, I wouldn't worry about that. Margot just doesn't miss performances. If she can walk, crawl, or roll, she plays. <laughs> the show must go on. No, dear. Margot must go on. As a matter of fact... I see no reason why you shouldn't be her understudy. Do you think Miss Channing would approve? I think she'd cheer. 
But Mr. Richards and Mr. Sampson... Stop worrying. <laughs> They'll do as they're told. I seem forever to be thanking for something, don't I? Good night, Karen. Good night, dear. Margot, how nice to see you. Why aren't you in the theater, Addison, at the sight of your protege, lending her moral support? Oh, but I did. The audition, however, is over. Over? It can't be. After all, I've come here to read with Miss Caswell. Well, the audition was called for 2.30. It's now nearly 4. Is it really? And who read with Miss Caswell? Bill? Lloyd? Well, who then? Naturally enough, your understudy. Wait, I consider it highly unnatural to allow a girl in an advanced state of pregnancy to go... I refer to your new and unpregnant understudy, Miss Eve Harrington. Eve? My understudy? Well, didn't you know? Of course I knew. It just slipped your mind. How was Miss Caswell? Frankly, I don't remember. Just slipped your mind? Completely. Nor could anyone else tell you how Miss Caswell read, or whether Miss Caswell read or wrote a pogo stick. Was she that bad? Margot, as you know, I have lived in the theater as a Trappist monk lives in his faith. And once in a great while, I experienced that moment of revelation for which all true believers wait and pray. You were one. Eve Harrington is another. I take it she read well. It wasn't a reading. It was something made of fire and music. Brilliant. Vivid. Unforgettable. How nice. In time, she'll be what you are. A mass of fire and music. That's me. An old kazoo and some sparklers. Tell me, was Bill swept away too, or were you too full of revelation to notice? Bill didn't say. But Lloyd was beside himself. He listened to his play as if someone else had written it, he said. It sounded so fresh, so new, so full of meaning. How nice for Lloyd, and how nice for Eve. How nice for everybody. Eve was incredibly modest. She insisted that Lloyd felt as he did, only because she read the lines exactly as he had written them. The implication being that I have not been reading them as written? To the best of my recollection, neither your name nor your performance entered the conversation. May I give you a lift somewhere? No. No, thank you, Addison. I'll just run on in so they know I did come after all. I must start wearing a watch. Margot, how are you, darling? Terribly sorry I'm late, Max. Lunch went long, and I couldn't find a cab. Well, shall we start? Where's Miss Caswell? Hello, Bill. Hello, Lloyd. Hello, Eve. Hello, Miss Channing. It's all over, Margot. What's all over? The audition. Eve read with Miss Caswell. Eve? Oh, how enchanting. Wherever did you get the idea to let Eve read? Well, she's your understudy. Eve? My understudy? Why, I had no idea. I thought you knew. She was put on over a week ago. Miss Channing, I can't tell you how glad I am you arrived so late. Really, Eve? Why? If you'd been here to begin with, I'd never dared to read at all. I, I couldn't have. What a pity all that fire and music going to waste. 
What fire and music? You wouldn't understand. I was dreadful, Miss Channing. Believe me. Oh, I'm sure you underestimate yourself, Eve. You always do. You'd have been proud of her, Margot. Eve was a revelation. To you too, Lloyd. What do you mean by that? I mean that, among other things, it must have been a revelation to have your 24-year-old character played by a 24-year-old actress. Also, it must have sounded so new and fresh to you, so exciting, to have your lines read to you just as you wrote them. Addison. You've been talking to Addison. So full of meaning, fire, and music. You've been talking to that venomous fishwife, Addison DeWitt. In this case, apparently as trustworthy as the World Almanac. You knew when you came in that the audition was over, that Eve was your understudy, playing that childish game of cat and mouse. No mouse. Never mouse. If anything, rat. You have a genius for making a barroom brawl out of a perfectly innocent misunderstanding, at most. Perfectly innocent? Men have been hanged for less. I'm lied to, attacked behind my back, accused of reading your silly dialogue inaccurately, as if it were the holy gospel. I never said it was. Then you listened as if someone else had written your play. Whom did you have in mind? Arthur Miller? Sherwood? Beaumont and Fletcher? What makes you think that either Arthur Miller or Robert Sherwood would stand for the nonsense I take from you? You'd better stick to Beaumont and Fletcher. They've been dead for 300 years. All playwrights should be dead for 300 years. That would solve none of their problems, because actresses never die. The stars never die and never change. You can change this star anytime you want. For a fresh, exciting one, fully equipped with fire and music. Anytime you want, starting with tonight's performance. I shall never understand the weird process by which a body and voice suddenly fancies itself a mind. Just when exactly does an actress decide they're her words she's saying and her thoughts she's expressing? Usually at the point where she has to rewrite and rethink them in order to keep the audience from leaving the theater. It's about time the piano realized that it has not written the concerto. And you, Bill? I take it you're the Paderewski who plays his concerto on me, the piano. Where is the princess fire and music? Who? The kid, Junior. Gone. I must have frightened her away. I wouldn't be surprised. Sometimes you frighten me. But I'm nothing but a body and a voice. No mind. What a body. What a voice. Now calm down. The gong rang. The fight's over. I will not calm down. Don't calm down. And I will not be plotted against. Here we go. Such nonsense. What do you all take me for, little Nell from the country? Been my understudy for over a week without my knowing. Shows up for an audition when everyone knew I'd be here. And gives a performance. Out of nowhere, gives a performance. You've been all through that with Lloyd. Gives a performance full of fire and music and whatnot. Carefully rehearsed, I have no doubt. Full of those Bill Sampson touches. I'm sick and tired of these paranoid outbursts. I didn't even know Eve Harrington was your understudy till half past two this afternoon. Tell that to Dr. Freud along with the rest of it. No, I'll tell it to you. For the last time, I'll tell it to you. I love you. You're a beautiful and intelligent woman. A body with a voice. And a great actress. You have every reason for happiness. Except happiness. Every reason. 
but due to a strange, uncontrollable, unconscious drive, you permit the slightest actions of a kid... Kid. Kid, like Eve, to turn you into a hysterical, screaming harpy. Now, once and for all, stop it. It's obvious you're not a woman. I've been aware of that for some time. Well, I am. I'll say. Now, come on, Margot. Let's get out of here. I'll buy you a drink. Well, I'll admit I've had better days, but I'm not to be had for the price of a cocktail, like a salted peanut. Margot, let's make peace. No, the terms are too high. Unconditional surrender. Just being happy. Just stopping all the nonsense about Eve. About even me. It's not nonsense, Bill. And I wish it were. I told you before that this was going to be my last try, and I meant it. I can't think of anything else to do. I wish I could. Goodbye, Margot. Bill, where are you going? To find Eve? That suddenly makes the whole thing believable. Bill! Oh, Bill. <laughs> Frankly, Lloyd, I don't understand a word you're saying. Not only was Margot two hours late, but that childish, heavy-handed routine about not knowing Eve was her understudy... It's just possible she didn't know. Of course she knew. Addison told her. Now somebody's got to stop Margot. Who's going to do it? Who's going to give her that boot in the rear she needs and deserves? It's going to be a very cozy weekend. What is? We're driving out to the country tomorrow night. Margot, you and I. Well, we've spent weekends before with nobody talking. Just be sure to lock up all the blunt instruments and throwable objects. Lloyd was right, of course, about Margot. That boot coming to her? Heaven knows she had one coming. But how... how to do it? And then it came to me. My big idea. After all, it was no more than a perfectly harmless joke which she, Margot, would be the first to enjoy. No reason why she shouldn't be told about it. In time? My big idea required a telephone call. Hello? Yes, will you call Miss Eve Harrington to the phone, please? It was a cold weekend we spent in the country. Somehow, we staggered through it. Late Monday afternoon, my big idea went into action. Its purpose was to make Margot miss her performance, so that Eve would have to take her place. All I did was drain the gas tank of her car. My timing was perfect. Margot missed her train, and we sat there on the highway, the two of us, while Lloyd cursing softly, went down the road in search of gasoline. Cigarette, Karen. Oh, uh, no. No thanks, dear. I haven't been very pleasant this weekend. Well, we've all seemed a little tense lately. More than any two people I know, I don't want you and Lloyd to be angry with me. How could we? You're Margot. Just Margot. 
And what is that? Besides something spelled out in light bulbs, I mean, and besides something called a temperament, which consists mostly of swooping around on broomsticks, screaming at the top of my voice. Infants behave the way I do, you know. They'd get drunk if they knew how, when they can't have what they want, or when they feel unwanted or insecure, unloved. What about Bill? He's in love with you. More than anything in the world, I love Bill, and I want him to love me. But me, not Margot Channing. And if I can't tell them apart, how can he? And Karen, about Eve. I've acted pretty disgracefully toward her, too. Well... At best, let's say I've been oversensitive to, well, the fact that she's so young, so feminine, and so helpless, to so many things that I want to be for Bill. Margot, I want you to know how sorry I am about this. About what? Getting stuck like this. I can't tell you how sorry I am. Don't give it another thought. One of Destiny's merry pranks. After all, you didn't personally drain the gasoline out of the tank. What? I said you didn't personally drain the gasoline out of the tank. <laughs> this is Addison DeWitt. It is now my turn to tell you all about Eve. That night, with Margot marooned in the country, Eve Harrington took her place on the stage. Her performance was magnificent, but one thing puzzled me. Why was I invited to that particular performance? A performance about which the management knew nothing until they were forced to ring up the curtain at nine o'clock when Margot failed to appear. Coincidence? Also, every indication of intrigue, skullduggery, and fraud. Afterwards, I went backstage. Her dressing room was closed, but I overheard a rather interesting conversation between Eve and Bill Sampson. You can be very proud of yourself, Eve. That was a wonderful job you did tonight. I admit I had my doubts. You shouldn't have any doubts. You're right. With work and practice, you'll be a good actress, if that's what you want to be. Is that what you want me to be? I'm talking about you. What do you want? So am I. What have I got to do with it? Everything. The names I've been called, but never Sengali. Good night. Don't run away, Bill. From what would I be running? You're always after the truth on the stage. What about off? I'm for it. Then face it. I have. Ever since the first night here, in this dressing room... When I told you what every young actress should know. When you told me that whatever I became, it would be because of you. Your makeup's a little heavy. And for you. You're quite a girl. You think? I'm in love with Margot. Hadn't you heard? You hear all kinds of things. I'm only human. Rumors to the contrary. And I'm as curious as the next man. <laughs> Find out. Only thing. What I go after, I want to go after. I don't want it to come after me. Don't cry. Just score it as an incomplete forward pass. I waited a reasonable amount of time for her tears to dry. And then I too had a chat with Eve. 
I wanted to write a column about her, and there were many questions to ask. So kind of you to stop by, Mr. Dewitt. I'm so glad you liked me tonight. But it's still Miss Janning's performance. I'm just a carbon copy you read when you can't find the original. I think the time has come to shed some of your modesty. It is just as false not to blow your horn at all as it is to blow it too loudly. One pretty good performance by an understudy. It'll be forgotten by tomorrow. It needn't be. Why not? I'm less than nobody. I am somebody. You certainly are. After you change, we can have supper? I'd love to. Or should I pretend I'm busy? Let's have a minimum of pretending. I shall want to do a column about you. I'm not enough for a paragraph. Perhaps more than one. There's so much I want to know. I've heard your story in bits and pieces. Your home in Wisconsin, your tragic marriage, your fanatical attachment to Margot. It, it started in San Francisco, didn't it? Yes, that's right. It started in San Francisco, didn't it? Which theater was it in San Francisco? Was it the Schubert? Yes, the Schubert. A fine old theater, the Schubert, full of tradition, untouched by the earthquake. So sorry, fire? By the way, what was your husband's name? Eddie. Eddie what? <laughs> really, Mr. Dewitt. If I'm ever going to change, it'll only take a moment. Where would you like to go, Eve? We must make this a special night. You take charge. I believe I will. Stop saying you can't believe it, Karen. It's right here in print, isn't it? By Addison DeWitt. Listen to this. Miss Harrington had much to tell about the lamentable practices of our theater of permitting mature actresses to continue playing roles requiring of youth and vigor of which they retain but a dim memory. I still can't believe that Eve would... It gets better! About the understandable reluctance on the part of our entrenched first ladies of the stage to encourage younger actresses. About Miss Harrington's own long, unsupported struggle for opportunity. Eve couldn't have said anything like that. What gets me is how all those papers happen to catch that one particular performance. Lloyd says it's a publicity release. That little witch must have had runners out snatching critics from wherever they hole up. Well, she won't get away with it. Nor will Addison DeWitt in his poison pen. I will personally. I came as soon as I read that piece of filth. I ran all the way. Bill, oh, thank heavens you're here. Oh, Bill. Bill's here, baby. Everything's all right now. Oh, darling. I guess at this point... I'm what the French would call de trop. Maybe just a little round the edges. That night, even I were having supper in the cub room of the store club, when in walked Margot, Bill Lloyd, and Karen. They seemed unusually happy and gay. Simply this, Margot and I are getting married. Glory, hallelujah! Margot, when? When are you going to do it? We meet at City Hall tomorrow morning at ten. City Hall? That's for prize fighters and reporters. It's only for the license. It's a three-day wait for blood tests. I'll marry you if it turns out you have no blood at all. What are you going to wear? Something simple. A fur coat over a nightgown. The point is we want you two beside us as our nearest and dearest friends. Excuse me, Mrs. Richards. 
Yes, waiter. This note is for you. Miss Harrington sent it. Miss Harrington? Here, Margot, you read it. Please forgive me for butting in, but it's most important that I speak with you. Please. It's underlined. Meet me in the ladies' room. Eve. I understand she's now the understudy in there. Maybe Eve just wants to apologize. But what could she say? Go on. Find out. Karen, in all these years of our friendship, I have never let you go into the ladies' room alone. But now I must. I am busting to know what goes on in that feverish little brain waiting in there. Well, all right. I was wondering whether you'd come at all. Thank you. I wanted to talk to you about Mr. DeWitt's column. Do you expect me to believe that you didn't say any of those things? That they were all Addison? All I know is... I found myself trying to answer his questions, trying to say what I mean. But somehow, the words change. They become his words. And suddenly, I wasn't saying what I mean, but what he means. I just wanted you to know that the responsibility is mine. The disgrace is mine. Let's not get overdramatic. You really have a low opinion of me, don't you? You'll be glad to know that I've been told off in no uncertain terms all over town. Eve, don't cry. After all, you still have a powerful friend in Addison DeWitt. He was not my friend. You were my friends. I'll, I'll never get over it. Never. Yes, you will. You're very young and very talented. And... Believe it or not, if there's anything I can do... Yes, there is something. I... I think I know. Something most important you can do. You want to play the lead in Lloyd's new play. You want me to tell Lloyd that I think you should play it. If you told him so... He'd give me the part. He said he would. After all you've said, don't you know that part was written for Margot? Maybe 15 years ago. It's my part now. You've got to tell Lloyd it's for me. I don't think anything in the world could make me say that. Addison wants me to play it. Over my dead body. That won't be necessary. Addison knows how Margot happened to miss her performance, about how I happened to know she'd miss it and called him, and how he notified every paper in town. You'd better sit down. You look a bit wobbly. If I play Cora, Addison will never tell what happened in or out of print. A simple favor in exchange. And I'm so happy I could do something for you at long last. Your friendship and Margot's? Your deep, close friendship? What would happen to it if she found out what a cheap trick you played on her on my benefit? It would be so much easier for everyone concerned if I were to play Cora. And so much better theater, too. A part in a play... You'd do all that just for a part in a play. I'd do much more for a part that good. 
Excuse me, Addison's waiting for me. Only coffee, Eve? I'm not surprised after all that humble pie. Nothing of the kind. Karen and I had a nice talk. Including a casual reference to the part of Cora and your hopes of playing it. I discussed it very openly. She mentioned, of course, that Margot expects to play the part. Oddly enough, she didn't say a word about Margot. Do you know, Eve? Sometimes I think you keep things from me. I don't think that's funny. It wasn't meant to be. I confide in you and rely on you more than on anyone I've ever known. To say a thing like that now, without any reason, when I need you more than ever. I hope you mean what you say, Eve. I intend to hold you to it. We have a great deal in common, it seems to me. Well... What happened? Nothing much. She apologized. <laughs> With tears. With tears. Very classy stuff. Lots of technique. Oh, groom, hmm? may I have a wedding present? What would you like? Texas? I want everyone to shut up about Eve. Just shut up about Eve. That's all I want. Never have I been so happy. Do you know why I'm so happy? Because I forgive Eve. I forgive Eve because she's left good behind. The four of us here together. It's Eve's fault, so I forgive her. And Bill, especially Bill. Eve did that too. You know, she probably means well after all. She's a louse. Never try to outguess Margot. Correct. Oh, and Lloyd, I don't want to play Cora. <laughs> what? Now wait a minute, Karen. You've always been touchy about his plays. And it isn't the part. It's a great part. But it's not for me anymore. Not a four-square, upright, downright, forthright married lady. What's your being married got to do with it? It means I finally got a life to live. I don't have to play parts I'm too old for, just because I've got nothing to do with my nights. I'll make it up to you, believe me. I'll tour a year with this one. Anything. Only, you do understand, don't you, Lloyd? <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing? <laughs> everything. Oh, everything is so funny. <laughs> in due time, they were wed, Margot and Bill. Also in due time, rehearsals started for the new play, starring Eve Harrington. Finally, the play was ready for its out-of-town opening in New Haven. That afternoon, I saw Eve at her hotel. Isn't it strange, Addison? I thought I'd be panic-stricken. Instead, I can't wait for tonight to come. To come and go. Are you that sure of tomorrow? Aren't you? Frankly, yes. It'll bring to me everything I've ever wanted. The end of an old road and the beginning of a new one. All paved with diamonds and gold. You know me better than that. Paved with what, then? Stars. What time is it? Almost four. Plenty of time for a nice, long nap. You could sleep, too, couldn't you? Why not? The mark of a true killer. Sleep tight, rest easy, and come out fighting. Why do you call me a killer? Did I say killer? I meant champion. 
I get my boxing terms mixed. Listen, Addison, there'll be a party here tonight. You'll come, won't you? We're having everyone up here after the performance. We're? Lloyd and I. I find it odd that Karen isn't here for the opening, don't you? She's always been so fanatically devoted to Lloyd. Addison, just a few minutes ago, I said this would be a night to remember. I didn't just mean the theater. What else? Lloyd Richards. He's going to leave Karen. We're going to be married. So that's it. Lloyd. Still just the theater, after all. It's nothing of the kind. Lloyd loves me, and I love him. I know nothing about Lloyd and his loves. I leave those to Louisa May Alcott. But I do know you. I'm in love with Lloyd. Addison, won't it be perfect? Lloyd and I? There's no telling how far we can go. He'll write great plays for me. I'll make them great. You're the only one I've told. The only one who knows except Lloyd and me. And Karen. She doesn't know. She knows enough not to be here. Well, not all of it. Not that Lloyd and I are going to be married. Well, say something. Anything. Congratulations, Skull. Good work, Eve. What do you take me for? Is it possible, even conceivable, that you've confused me for that gang of backward children that you've been playing tricks on? That you have the same contempt for me that you have for them? I'm sure you mean something by that, Addison, but I don't know what. Look closely, Eve. It's time that you did. I am Addison DeWitt. I am nobody's fool, least of all yours. I still don't know what you're getting at. You know it as well as I do. That while Lloyd may leave Karen, you will not leave Karen for you. What do you mean by that? More plainly and more distinctly, you will not marry Lloyd Richards or anyone else for that matter. Because I will not permit it. Will not permit it. That sounds like something medieval. Like something out of an old melodrama. So does the history of the world for the past 20 years. Frankly, I had hoped that you would somehow have known, have taken it for granted that you and I... You and I? <laughs> remember as long as you live, never to laugh at me. At anything or anyone else, but never at me. To begin with, your name is not Eve Harrington. It is Gertrude Slekinski. Get out! It's true that you worked in a brewery. But life in the brewery was apparently not as dull as you pictured it. As a matter of fact, it got less and less dull until your boss's wife had you followed by detectives. She never proved anything. Not a thing. But the $500 you got to get out of town brought you straight to New York, didn't it? She was a liar. A liar! There was no Eddie, no pilot, and you've never been married. San Francisco has no Schubert Theater. You've never been to San Francisco. That was a stupid lie. Easy to expose. Not worthy of you. I had to get in. To meet Margot. I had to say something. Be somebody. Make her like me. She did like you. She helped and trusted you. You paid her back by trying to take Bill away. That's not true. After you failed, you used my name and my column to blackmail Karen into getting the part of Cora. And you lied to me about it. No. 
No, no. I had lunch with Karen not three hours ago. As always with women who want to find out things, she told more than she had learned. That I should want you at all suddenly strikes me as the height of improbability. But that in itself is probably the reason. You're an improbable person, Eve, and so am I. We have that in common. Also, a contempt for humanity, an inability to love and to be loved, insatiable ambition and talent. We deserve each other. Are you listening to me? Yes, Addison. And you realize? You agree how completely you belong to me? Yes, Addison. Take your nap now. And good luck for tonight. I couldn't go on tonight. Not possibly. I couldn't go on. Couldn't go on? You'll give the performance of your life. And she gave the performance of her life. It was a night to remember that night. And that is why she's on the dais of the Sarah Siddons Award this evening. Honored members of the Sarah Sidon Society, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, what is there for me to say? Everything wise and witty has long since been said by more mature and talented minds than mine. For me, to thank you as equals would be presumptuous. <laughs> I am an apprentice in the theater and have much to learn from all of you. I can only say that I am proud and happy, and that I regard this great honor not so much as an award for what I have accomplished, but as a, as a standard to hold against what I have yet to accomplish. And further... I regard it as bestowed upon me only in part. The larger share belongs to my friends in the theater and to the theater itself, which has given me all I have. In good conscience, I must give credit where credit is due to my first friend in the theater, whose kindness I shall never forget. Karen! Mrs. Lloyd Richards. And it was Karen who brought me to one whom I had always idealized and whom was to become my benefactor and champion. A great actress and a great woman, Margot Channing, my director, who demanded always a little more than my talent could provide, but who taught me patiently and well, Bill Sampson, and one without whose great play and faith in me this night would never have been. How can I repay Lloyd Richards? How could I repay many others? So many that I couldn't possibly name them all. Whose help, guidance, and advice made this the happiest night of my life possible. Although I am going to Hollywood next week to make a film, 
Do not think for a moment I am leaving you. How could I? For my heart is here in the theater. And three thousand miles are too far to be away from one's heart. I'll be back to claim it, and soon. That is, if you want me back. Congratulations, Eve. Thank you, Karen. Huh, nice speech, Eve. But I wouldn't worry too much about your heart. You can always put that award where your heart ought to be. Mr. DeWitt! Miss Caswell, nice to see you again. Isn't she wonderful, Mr. DeWitt? There's no one like Eve, Miss Caswell. No one in the world. Tell me, Miss Caswell, do you want someday to have an award like that of your own? More than anything else in the whole world. Then you must ask Eve Harrington how to get one. Miss Harrington knows all about it. You have been listening to All About Eve, based on the short story by Mary Ott, The Wisdom of Eve, originally broadcast in 1951 for Lux Audio Theatre, adapted for Gypsy Audio and Sonic Society Summerstock by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, produced by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard and Alex Gilmore, post-produced by Alex Gilmore and Gypsy Audio. Our cast for All About Eve consisted of James Leeper as the narrator, Mike Stokes as Addison, Kim Giannopoulos as Karen, Tanya Milovic as Eve, David McIver as Lloyd, Julie Hoverson as Bertie, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Margot, Alex Gilmore as Bill, Carol Stokes as the operator, Bill Holloway as Max, and Shan Nolan as Ms. Caswell. I am Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, and I am your announcer. This Summerstock production is dedicated to the memory of Walter Dinesha, a young man who was taken from his family and friends in Pacific Washington far too soon. You are loved and you are missed. For information, music, and sound effects credits, please go to www.gypsyaudio.org. This has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Gypsy Audio and Summerstock at Sonic Society, 2012.